Welcome to Aircrew Interview. I'm Mike Young, your host, and this is part two of our interview with Brian Sunshine Sinclair. In this episode, he chats about his time on the Hornet, both the Super and the Legacy models, and also the Fighter Pilot podcast. I also want to thank our sponsor, Laco Watches, who were one of the original companies to produce pilot watches for the Luftwaffe during World War II. They produce both A and B dial watches in different sizes to suit all tastes, which adopt the look of times gone by but still satisfied modern demands. You can check out all their models and products via www.laco.de. Thank you. So the S3 was going away, and so they, they called uh, sundowning the community. And I actually went off to grad school. So the Navy said, hey, why don't you go to Monterey, which is another fantastic venue in California. Go off to Monterey and study something. So I, I uh, no kidding, went through the course curriculum, and I found the longest curriculum because my wife loved the area. So I'm like, hey, we're going to stay in Monterey for two and a half years. <laughs> yeah, so lots of geek speak with a master's degree in astronautical engineering. But um, absolutely love the area. About halfway through, I got a call from our I, detailer. I call him the flesh peddler, if you will. But anyway... The detailer, he said, hey, man, I've got a hornet slot for you because as they sundown the community, they were trying to farm people out into the different communities. And it was uh, just based on your written performance. So they said, hey, you have the opportunity to go fly hornets, but you need to leave grad school halfway through to go get back kind of on track. So, you know what, I had a, a real heart to heart with my wife. I prayed about it and I decided, no, I'm going to stay in grad school and see what happens. The Navy was immensely for I, I was fortunate that navy was just uh, amazingly nice to me and that they held my f-18 position until after grad school and then i went out to start f-18c's awesome i mean very lucky man but uh yeah let's talk yeah. about some of your ground training how did it compare to you know the viking oh dude fast and furious so it was uh the the, re- the replacement squadron or the training squadron was about eight months yeah and work long days. I would drive to work in the dark. I would come home in the dark, you know, wow. like 12, 14 hours later. Yeah. And I was now going single seat mentality. And I was learning a whole new aircraft that has different mission, but also different handling characteristics. So a lot of the stuff that I had learned in the S3 was now I would consider a bad habit. Mm-hmm. So it was very intense. And I was one of the older guys because I had been through a cruise in grad school. So I was probably five years older than most of my peers. Uh, at first, no, it was stressful. And then at times, uh, naval aviation does get boring at times when you're, <laughs> you're not bombing or <laughs> landing or taking off. And it was actually, it was actually kind of boring just sitting there by myself yeah. and you don't always want to talk on the radio. So, um, but I'll tell you what, once you kind of master and I'm not, I never had a perfect flight, but once you do feel that you pretty well know the Hornet and you can execute a lot of the missions by yourself, you, you kind of get that King Kong thing going, right? I mean, you, you just feel unstoppable. So that transition from relying on somebody and having very different missions and kind of a slower mindset to going by yourself and going a lot faster with more complicated systems and missions, uh, it was daunting. But once I kind of figured it out, I it was a, a great sense of achievement. Yeah. And I think, obviously, I'm guessing your first aircraft was the F-18C. So let's talk about your first flight. What was it like putting in that reheat for the first time? <laughs> the reheat, afterburner, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter what speed you start at, Mike. It is always a kick in the pants. Yeah. They're just, 
it, it is awesome. Just absolutely loved it. And my, my first instance would have been a takeoff. We do all of our uh, takeoffs and afterburner. And so that, that acceleration was pretty amazing. But then also when you're up at altitude and you're at, say, 250 knots and you plug in the blowers, you still get pushed back in your seat. It's, it's amazing. Yeah, so let's talk about some of your your training when you started on the F-18. Like, what what kind of flights were you conducting at this time? Uh, so it's a build-up approach, starting with familiarization. So, hey, here are all the switches. Here's how the airspeed you need to memorize, the procedures you need to memorize. So start in the simulators. And then from there, you're going to go out into the local area and learn how to handle the aircraft for real and try to learn, excuse me, not try, learn how to take off and land. <laughs> And then from there, you, you focus on more air-to-ground stuff. So that would be timing, how to use your sensors. We didn't have necessarily live ordnance, but we had some more of those practice bombs, those Mark 76s. So we work on air-to-ground. And from there, we worked on air-to-air, which would be uh, beyond visual range engagements and also or all-weather intercepts, if you want to call them OWIES. And then we'd work on basic fighter maneuvers or BFM, also known as air combat maneuvers or ACM. And the final graduation exercise we'll call it would be going to the boat and landing successfully both day and night on the boat so overall it was eight months eight months of a uh, what we call a fire hose so as you can imagine just very high intensity high tempo academics so you mentioned uh, acm or dact right there like how did the hornet fare against you know the types of the time you know f-15 or you know, the tornadoes. Yeah, so uh, I didn't get to mix it up or DAC them, do any DAC, excuse me, excuse me, uh, until I got to the fleet. Mm-hmm. And I went down and I went down to Florida and flew against some F-15s, specifically F-15Cs. Cs, yeah. Yeah, the Cs. So their thrust to weight is stunning, for lack of a better term. So uh, basically, if we got into it, my, my goal, my going and game plan every time was to get them slow, to try to beat them down, get them slow, and then I could hopefully outmaneuver them with high end. Exactly. So that was my game plan. His game plan was uh, usually, and they're all very nice. You know what I'm saying? Like we're all still on the same team, yeah. but we do have our egos to defend. Uh, uh, so, um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, he would a couple times, and it was two different guys, but both both occasions, I became very. Uh, let's see, I had a lot of respect, we'll say, for their thrust-to-weight ratio. So at a certain fuel state, they can basically accelerate up uphill. And we'd get into a vertical fight, and I would be nose-up, and he would be nose-up, and then I would have to fall off, if you will, come back down, and he would he could continue up. So an Immelman is the uh, traditional purely vertical yeah. maneuver. So I actually saw an F-15 do a double Immelman when I could barely I milk out one Immelman. Yeah, so it was, it was wow. very impressive. Uh, so, so obviously the the uh, I'll call it specific excess power. Basically, just the power of the F-15 was impressive. Then I flew against the F-16, and I I had no idea. I had heard stories, you know what I'm saying. But until you get in the ring with him, it was very impressive because they just come at the speed of heat. They have nine Gs available, whereas the Hornet has seven and a half. And that one and a half extra G, if you want to call it, is huge when it comes to a two-circle fight. So everything that the Charlie, the F-18C, did well, it continued to do better than the F-18E or F, and everything it did poorly, the F, the Super Hornet did better. So what I mean by that is when it comes to dive bombing and uh, pitch control and really rolling technique, if you will, I felt, just me personally, I haven't, you know, uh, asked a lot of guys, but I enjoyed dive bombing and the maneuverability more in the Charlie than I did the Echo. So to me, I pictured the Echo as more of, for the American folks, as like a, probably a 65 Corvette. 
All right, so it's unbridled power. It's not elegant. It's got its warts and dimples and whatever. But man, when you need to get something done, it does it. Now, the Super Hornet on the other side was more of the, the early 2000 Honda Civic. So it's got bells and whistles. You know, it's got a lot of bring back capability, meaning a lot of fuel and all that stuff. It's very luxurious, I thought, space-wise in the cockpit. But it wasn't as maneuverable. Mm-hmm. And it didn't need to be for the missions that uh, it was kind of migrating toward, if you will. Yeah. So obviously, we're going to talk about the Super Hornet now. So like, how did you go from the Charlie to the Echo and the F model? Ten, ten hours. They gave me, <laughs> they said, <laughs> Sunshine, congratulations. You're, uh, you're going to your net. You're getting promoted. You're going to your next squadron. The next squadron is the Echo model, or they fly the Echo. And uh, we're going to give you kind of, a, I wouldn't say an abbreviated syllabus, but it was a, a shorter syllabus. And they, uh, they said to me, honestly, hey, don't worry about caracoling here in the confines of the training squadron. We're just going to send you out to the boat and you'll just make it happen. I was like, oh, okay. So, <laughs> so, wow, that, what, that, yeah, like, yeah, it was, uh, it was really blunt. <laughs> it, it was. Now, it was, uh, they, they I'm not going to badmouth the Navy. They definitely uh, stuck to their doctrine, if you will, right? But there was a little bit of leeway. So I'm not saying they were cavalier. I'm not saying that. But they basically said, hey, for efficiencies, we're going to not finish you here at the, the FRS or RAG. We're going to send you to your fleet squadron, and you can do your carrier qualification there, CQ. Now, once I got to the fleet, my new squadron, we still had so many field carrier landing practices or FCLPs to go through. So I followed the fleet syllabus. But my first time landing during the day, because there's a lot more visual cues, I kind of got it. You know, it took me maybe one pass or something, and I kind of got it. But at night, because you are lacking a lot of visual cues, and it's just a it's a different creature, as you can imagine, I boltered or missed the wires probably seven or eight times. Wow. And, uh, yeah, and, and basically imagine stepping into this new squadron where you're middle management, so you've got JOs, junior officers below you who are supposedly supposed to look up to you yep. and here's this brand new guy and i can't get aboard the carrier <laughs> at night, at night. So, so it was a, it was an uphill battle but um it did work out it was, the whole transition was very safe but honestly the night cq the night carrier qualification it was pretty for me it was pretty intimidating so the charlie kind of going back to the analogy of the 65 vet versus the the 2000 honda yeah. civic they had done their homework on human factors. So what I mean by that is the cockpit was just more, the echo cockpit was just more ergonomic. Yeah. Uh, specifically, it's bigger. I didn't bang my elbows as much. I'm kind of a, a, a one of the wider guys, I guess. you could, Hopefully up here, not down low. But, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, just for my girth, we'll say whatever it accommodated. But also, it had a touchscreen display in the middle as opposed to knobs for the upfront control, the UFC versus the UFCD. And... No kidding, the radar altimeter, if you can uh, picture the F-18C cockpit, C or D, early A through D, the radar altimeter was always hidden, very very essential piece of gear, as you can imagine, especially for night flights. It was hidden behind my knee. Wow. So anytime I wanted to draw my attention to the radar altimeter or the radar altimeter bug, the alarm system, basically, I had to move my knee and take my scan away from everything going on outside. Wow, really? was in the cockpit. Yeah, down low. Wow. Fortunately, yeah, so it was a bear. I really did not like the the low-altitude warning system yeah. laws in the Charlie, but they had taken that system since, and in the Echo, they incorporated it into the upfront controlled uh, 
upfront control display. So you could manipulate the bugs, if you will, or the alerts right in front of you, which for me right in front of me is directly below the heads up display. So it was a lot easier. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, for me, so GE General Electric makes the the uh, the 400, the engines, excuse me, I'm just going to call them engines. And I'll tell you what, I should have bought stock the day that I had my nose gear explode during takeoff right after I rotated. So after I pulled, pulled the nose off the ground, the, the bearing on the right-hand side, because the, the nose gear has two nose wheels, wow. right? And each wheel has bearings in it. So the bearings uh, basically seized and it exploded and the shrapnel went down my right engine uh, just after takeoff. So uh, obviously I can't see all this happen except uh, bitching Betty as we call it, right? The, uh, the aural tones basically come on a jet, say, engine right, engine right. And I feel this yaw as now the left engine still works, but the right doesn't. And I'm not able to get the power to climb away. So that day I actually had a British instructor pilot who was in front of me. It was oh, wow. a 10 second go. Yeah. So yeah, good old bloke. So he, uh, he takes off first, 10 seconds later, I, I start, you know, rolling down the runway. I pick up the nose and then, and all that stuff just happens. Well, uh, aviate, navigate, communicate, right? So I'm just trying not to crash into the ground. So Tower's talking to me. They see this, this smoke trail coming out of one side of my jet. And they're asking me, hey, what's going on? And I literally, I don't have the brain power to talk. I'm just fighting the jet to stay airborne to figure out what is wrong. And one of our procedures is the push emergency jettison button. So we call it ringing the doorbell. Well, I had some practice bombs and I had some fuel tanks or I had one fuel tank on board that was full of fuel that day. And as I'm just about to push the button, I have the wherewithal to look over the, 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 the glare shield, excuse me, and I see a house. So I'm basically about to fly over top of this populated area and drop a bunch of practice bombs and fuel in a fuel tank. So I decide that my bad day shouldn't be their bad day. So I decide not to jettison the stores. And now I'm, here, I'm sitting here kind of behind the power curve, as we call it, right? So I got left engines in full grunt or afterburner reheat, and the right one's not working. It's yawing, and it's just, it's just kind of waffling along. I will never forget 160 knots and 380 feet. So that's what I sustained, yeah, which 160 knots is barely above rotation speed. I sustained that for what seemed like a, a, a long time. As I flew over, it wasn't a neighborhood, it was a series of farmhouses out in this El Centro area. But anyway, so I flew over and I couldn't get the jet above that airspeed or above that altitude. So finally I thought, well, I've already got afterburner on the left. I'm gonna start dumping the fuel to try to lighten the load. And so that's when my British instructor flies back around. He joins up at a distance. He's like, hey, sunshine, what's up? And I'm like, uh, well, <laughs> I'm just trying to fight the jet right now. So. I said to him, but hey, I'll tell you what, can I dump fuel and select afterburner at the same time? He goes, well, I don't know, but I'm going to step away. And he <laughs> takes a cut away. <laughs> Thanks for nothing. Cheers. So, uh, yeah, cheers. Exactly. Good, good luck with that. So anyway, so basically I alternate between selecting afterburner and dumping fuel. I eventually climb up to 6,000 feet. I get the jet under control, come back in for a trap. Uh, so there'd be a carrier arrest, uh, sorry, a, a field, short field arrestment. So I drop the hook, take the trap, I crawl out, crash and salvage crews all around me. I, crawl, I look into the intake of the right engine, and no kidding, Mike, I could see daylight. Christ, so, really? Yeah, so it had, absolute, yeah, it had absolutely destroyed the right engine uh, enough that it, although the engine was so reliable, it stayed at idle, and at idle, it still allowed for the electronics of the generator still online, and so a lot of the utilities still worked, 
which was amazing, but no thrust was to be had that day out of that right engine. So. I think you were lucky bugger that day. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm, I agree. But uh, let's go on to, we're going to talk about the Fight Your Pilot podcast now because you are a co-host, aren't you? Let's talk about how you got into being a co-host. Uh, two things. Firstly, dumb luck and Jello's a sucker. So <laughs> <laughs> I hope he hears that. So. <laughs> now, um, so my last tour in the Navy, I met Vincent Aiello, call sign Jello, as you know. Yep. And uh, Jello basically was a year ahead of me in, we'll call it the process. So he retired about a year, I believe, or so ahead of me. And uh, as he retired, he was thinking about what he's going to do next. And he ended up settling, not settling, but deciding upon the airlines, which is a fantastic way. And he said, hey, I'm going to start this podcast. I said, oh, that's cool. So he bounced a couple ideas off me. And then um, he and I did the first episode, kind of the inaugural episode. We talked about what is a fighter pilot. And it was a lot of fun, and it was just kind of kind of like this, right? I mean, I, I wish I got to know you ahead of time better, Mike, but this yeah, is still yeah. fun. It's kind of casual. Yeah. So he and I basically just had a casual conversation, and we hit record, and we didn't know where it was going to go. So at that point, he went off to do his retired stuff and podcasts, and I went just to continue on with the Navy stuff. And then he asked me back for a second episode to do something else. And then later on, he said, hey um, – what do you think? I need kind of a co co-host or a, a lackey or whatever. <laughs> a sidekick. How about that? Yeah, sidekick, yeah. sidekick is good. Yeah. He, yeah. He needed a sidekick and I, I thought it'd be, be fun. I sure enjoyed the, I, I like hanging out with him and we had fun on the first one. I've since been helping out. So, uh, the fighter po- podcast, since you kind of prompted me here, it's, uh, it's, it's amazing. I had no idea. And I'm sure you're very similar, uh, emotions, I guess about this, but I had no idea how far reaching those podcasts really are. Yeah. And when I say far reaching, I'm talking more geographically than maybe walks of life. I know we got some old folks, we got some young folks, but um, it's pretty funny. When I misspeak on the podcast, it's usually a technical detail, and I I mess those up all the time, and I do appreciate the feedback. So, where do you see the Fight the Pilot podcast going in the future, Sunshine? Great question. Uh, So, we're very excited. We've got a whole bunch of new stuff. So Jello put together, there's the Fighter Pilot Podcast has now, we have this creation called BVR Productions or yep. Beyond Visual Range Productions. That's the parent company, if you will. And we've had some really uh, nice and just uh, very specialized folks join the team. So what I mean by that is there's a simulator called, I hope I get this right, Digital Combat Simulation, DCS. Yep. Uh, I... I'm a babe in the woods when it comes to this stuff, but I was very impressed with the, uh, I went online, saw some YouTube videos. I don't have the software and I met some of the dudes. We have two of the guys, uh, Baltic dragon and jabbers that are now on the team. So we also have business development guy. We have uh, a musician, we have a graphic designer. So it's really impressive what we're doing. And that is, uh, the website is, you know, has just kind of exploded. I think it's a, to me, it's a very, attractive website for lack of a better term just the, the visuals and the music is stunning the stories are pretty compelling are very compelling excuse me and right now we're going through an aircraft series so we're trying to basically interview a pilot from as many different types of aircraft as possible so uh whether it be a gen gen one fighter generation you know first generation to a fifth generation fighter so everywhere in between and we recently started something called deep dives yeah so i did it i had a chance to teach aerodynamics at the naval academy for about two years so I'm taking some of those old lesson plans, if you will, trying to morph them into something that hopefully the listeners or the, the watchers in this case find interesting. So we're going to talk through some basics of aerodynamics, 
probably a radar theory, uh, physics behind BFM, and so on and so forth. So we've got the uh, continued effort, we'll call it, I guess, to, to interview different pilots from different aircraft. We have the uh, deep dive going on and just the amount of, oh, behind the scenes is another thing. So, yeah, love that, love you know, that. Do you? Okay, cool, yeah, so we'll take yeah. some YouTube videos and then perhaps provide a perspective that the, the viewers haven't seen, haven't heard before, I guess you could say, as we explain what's going on in the cockpit. So, so we're pretty excited. Um, and I got to give a shout out to your website. I mean, or your whole podcast effort is, I don't know if you call it podcast, YouTube channel yeah. is, uh, is very impressive. And the gamut from which you, you pick your pilots, whether it be nationality, uh, age, uh, sex, anything. I mean, it's just you've you run a, a wide gamut, and it's very entertaining. Uh, so, do you have any hobbies? Uh, so, my number one hobby nowadays, since I'm retired from Navy, is being a dad. So, I have two little girls, seven and ten. Uh, I, I found a job where I get to consult for the Navy on different technical weapons, specifically for the F-18. Currently, for the F-18, um, and uh, as a um, a nice a nice Benny, we'll call it, or benefit, is that I get to work from the house. So yes, I will travel to go train the pilots on the carrier, different exercises in different areas, but I actually get to walk my kids to school, and I just absolutely love it. So so hobbies would be um, being a dad, and then from there, being a good husband, and then uh, physical fitness. So I love running. I try to get to the gym every morning, uh, You know, work on different routines, if you will, like that. And then, uh, truth be told, as much as I love aviation, I I love Star Wars. I don't know if you're a Star Trek or a Star Wars guy. Or... I am not, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, so, uh, so I enjoy Star Wars. I uh, I'm more passionate about aviation, but I just I love I love the movies and uh, all the collector items. I know what you want to call it. all the the collectibles, whatever. I love that kind of stuff. What is your favorite aircraft you've flown? Because you've flown a few, but uh, what's the favorite? Yeah, so I got to fly 33 different kinds of aircraft, yep. civilian and military. And for the sheer thrill, even though I only have 10 hours in, I'm going to have to say the F-16. Wow. So, really? yeah, it's crazy. The uh, It's the thrust to weight. It's their specific excess power, whatever you want to call it. I just remembered Edwards. They have a – so Edwards is the place they used to land the shuttle. Right, the space shuttle back in the day. And, and a lot of test evaluation goes on there. So they have these very long runways. One runway is two miles long. So imagine being in a Viper with only uh, a fuel tank, starting at the, the beginning of the, the brick one, we'll call it, of the two-mile-long runway. I will uh, run up to, let's say, 90. Anyway, I basically run up halfway or really 90% or so, check the brakes, check the hydraulics, and then boom, go. And I would do a low transition which is going to be where you uh, just get above the ground, you bring up the gear and the flaps auto, you know, um, fare if you are come up. And then I have the, to the rest of the runway. Yeah. yeah, basically, as soon as, I think it's 92%, you check the oil or something like that, you release the brakes and you select afterburner or reheat right away. Point being is at the end of the runway, I would be about 450 or so knots. Crikey. And then I would pull and I'd go straight up. Bloody hell. That... Exactly. That's exactly right. I I have never. That I mean, that's entertainment you can't even pay for. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's no roller coaster that does that for you. So, honestly, the uh, the the sheer performance of the F-16 is amazing. Not the not the cockpit, uh, ergonomics, instrumentation, avionics, none of that stuff. Just the sheer power is pretty stunning. So, do you currently fly at the moment? 
uh, I am, let's, instead of being in between jobs, I'm in between cockpits right now. So no, um, I, unfortunately with the F-18 at the depot, my last assignment, I had some, uh, close calls, I'll yeah. say, and I'll just leave it at that. But, uh, my wife and my, my parents and my in-laws, they, they were pretty concerned for me. So I'm going to grant them this less stress by just being on the ground and flying commercial air to different places. Awesome. So, Sunshine, where can we find you online? Uh, pretty much, I will reside on the Fighter Pilot Podcast Facebook page and our website. So, on our Facebook page, I highly recommend, if you guys are into looking at different aviation pictures, if you will, every week we post a picture, and our following is very technically savvy, and I'll ask just a few very leading questions, we'll call it, and it usually provides a lot of, as a catalyst, let's say, for a lot of very good discussions. So Fighter Pilot Podcast page, a webpage, excuse me, and also the Facebook page is where you can find me. Brilliant. So overall, Sunshine, did you enjoy your US Navy fighter career? Mike, I absolutely did. No regrets. 25 years of one amazing experience after another, and it's all in the defense or the service of this amazing nation in which I grew up. Like a pleasure to have you on the show and hopefully we can get you back on. Thank you, Mike, for having me. I uh, absolutely love Air Crew Interview and yeah, hopefully we can get some more synergy working between the two podcasts, if you will. Absolutely. Thank you very much.